0: Welcome to stocks and Scotch we're recording this as of June 22nd 2020 and today we wanted to talk about Chinese stocks committing fraud since this has been a hot topic recently so before we go into the details or the main topic uh, we let's just get some um, house cleaning items done so we do have a Facebook page and you can find any updates from us there uh, Also, if you like our content and the stuff we're putting out, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us reach more people. So, Eric, what are you drinking
1: tonight? I am still working on my bottle of Suntory Whiskey Toki. Um, I I like it. Uh, Somehow, 60% of the bottle has disappeared. I don't know how (laughs) or who, but... uh, it's uh, it's slowly disappearing. How about you? What are you drinking?
0: Uh, so last week I finished my Glenfiddich 12 year old, and so I brought out another cheap whiskey uh, that I had somewhere in my apartment. Uh, it's the Macallan 12 years old. Uh, one of its 12 year 12 year olds, and you know it's it's. I I'd like to say you get what you pay for. In it. It, it definitely tastes a lot better than most other like cheap whiskeys, uh, just because it's matured longer. But uh, it's not my favorite, but I do like other Macallans a lot more than this. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not sure I'd describe it as, as a cheap whiskey. I mean, it's definitely uh, is
0: definitely uh, a, a more expensive bottle than what I'm drinking. Well, now I started to have a disposable income after graduating college, so I guess it's starting to get a little bit cheaper, just a little bit on a relative scale. Maybe not cheap, but we're getting there, hopefully, one day. All right, uh, so let's uh, go through a disclaimer. So before we start, just a few words. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are not investment advisors, and this is not investment advice. Just like how we don't take a cut of any of your investment gains, we are not responsible for any of your investment losses. Make sure to do your own damn work. Before investing, speak with a licensed investment professional. And also, Eric is drinking a Toki. I am drinking a Macallan 12, so we're both drinking hard liquor. So remember that. Uh Last week, we talked about Warren Buffett, uh, and we didn't really mention Charlie Munger, but Charlie Munger is a big proportion of uh, how Buffett became as big as he is now. And right now, uh, Munger, he is a huge advocate for Chinese stocks. He went on to say even that uh, the world's strongest companies are in China. Uh, I can't remember which uh, interview it was, but he did go on to say that. And while that may be true, we don't know, we haven't uh, looked into it. There are cases where Chinese companies will commit fraud and destroy shareholder value.
1: And it's not just one or two companies. Uh, there are a lot of companies which get, uh, you know, kind of lumped in this category. It's been going on for a long time. Um, I remember, I remember what I call the golden age of, of Chinese frauds, and that was, um, I think, after the. I guess it was. Um, I guess Cantor uh, just mentioned there was a documentary called *The China Hustle*, which starts, which talks about um, uh, going back to 2007. Um, but essentially. Um, there were a couple of companies that got, um, Chinese companies that got listings in the U S um, a lot of them, um, got listed as U S stocks through what's called a backdoor merger. Uh, so basically there's some existing zombie public company in the U S and the Chinese company just merged with it. And by that, you know, in doing so, they, they sidestepped a lot of the, um, they sidestep doing an initial public offering process for which there is more scrutiny, um, and so that, that may have stopped these guys from listening in the U.S., but uh, there were a couple. And one of the legendary kind of failures, bankruptcies, I guess, early on was a company called Sinoforest. Um And um, just like what you see today, it was um, it was a it was a um, a hot stock. They issued stock, they sold stock, they sold debt, um, and a and a couple of really smart hedge funds were big holders of this stuff. Um, and so, SinoForest basically allegedly owned um, forest land because uh, China's growing economy; they need paper, they need lumber. These guys, SinoForest, had forest paper. And um, I remember at the time, um, just before all this kicked off, I was I was researching um, uh, a wooden flooring company, not in Europe actually, and I remember talking to. Uh, our team in China, and they actually were very knowledgeable about the wooden flooring space. And what they told me was, yeah, you know, um, you know, China doesn't really have a lot of good forest land for like lumber, because a lot of that there's a lot of deforestation during the Great Leap Forward during um, during Mao's regime. So we got to import a lot of our wood from Vietnam and other places. And, and that comment stuck with me because, um, you know, there's this really successful company called Sinoforest, and they claimed they got wood and they got lumber. And I, it kind of was the exact opposite of what I've heard. Uh, sure enough, um, it was revealed as a fraud. They did not own um, uh, the forest lands. They claimed they did. And the, you know, the American hedge funds, I think Paulson was the biggest one, um, <laughs> kind of kind of just blew out of their position. They admitted that they were totally um, – they had done no work. They just bought it, and um, they took a giant loss, uh, which is unfortunately the start of many giant losses for Paulson. Um, but uh you know it wasn't you know that wasn't a there are other other frauds there's a uh, a research company in hong kong called muddy waters and they started basically busting a lot of these china frauds left and right and they would do things like they would go to the place of business that that was listed for a lot of these chinese companies and they'd say that like yeah you know this facility is closed it's padlocked there's no one going in and out and they would talk to the neighbors and say hey is there any business activity going on like what's going on in this factory next to you that's empty um and um and so we thought that uh i think everyone thought that everyone learned their lesson just do their homework around um you know everyone wants to you know, kind of piggyback off the growth of china which is undeniable um extremely attractive um and yet here we are in you know 2019 2020 and we've got a brand-new crop of of um, companies which are either, you know, kind of revealed frauds or alleged frauds. And I guess we're going to re- go through a couple of these. Um, I think part of it, you know, I, I, and before we go to, I and mean, part of it is, well, you know, why are there systemically these um, opportunities? And like I said, part of it is because American investors really, really, really want to get exposure to China, um, you know, China is growing. China is enormously successful. Um, but there's a huge language and cultural barrier. It, you know, it's half a world away and it's hard to do due diligence. Um, and but the other unique thing is that there's a guy named Kyle Bass, a hedge fund manager of Kyle Bass, who's been uh, talking about China a lot. And one of the things he points out is that, um, you know, in America, companies have to publish financials. Sure. And they get audited. Great. And. You know, uh, the ed, but the SEC, the, the regulators have the right to actually inspect uh, the audit work papers of any any public company. And that's just another that's just a way of another layer of protection, like oh, another layer of scrutiny to help protect investors against frauds. And but it turns out when they tried to when they demanded um, the same requirement at a Chinese listed companies, uh, China was able, you know, China argued no, no, no. Uh, we can't provide you that access. These are state secrets. And the SEC signed off on it. So um, you've got Chinese companies doing their financials, being signed off by local auditors, which may or may not be a branch of a large, you know, kind of a big four audit firm um, globally. But, you know, China, China operations are kind of their own operations. And there isn't the ability to check the work of the auditors. So, um, you know, that, that does create, you know, that will kind of open crack open the door a little bit for people to try to take advantage of, um, that lack of that lack of disclosure. So I think systemically, that's one thing that, um, you know, helps explain the prevalence of these names. Um, but, uh, you know, the other school of thought is, is, you know, the other thing is, um, there are all these smart hedge funds that get caught up in um, these, you know, blow ups when these, some of these stocks blow up. And one school of thought is that, like, yeah, you know, they know what's up. But, um, you know, if they bet on 10 stocks, knowing that they're if there's that they can't really do full due diligence on them, they're not really sure you know, what the full story is. But nine of them will do great. And one of them blows up badly. They still come out ahead. So, um you know, I think that's kind of one rational explanation. But, but um, you know, so Pantaro, what, um, you know, what situations are you seeing in the news? Um,
0: so before we go into situations, so you, you talked about like auditing and uh, rules and things of that nature. And so uh, I think one thing we should mention is uh, Chinese companies, they, their financials, uh, they don't follow U.S. gap or U.S. general account uh accounting and principles accepted, accepted yeah. accounting principles exactly uh, and so if you look at like a chinese uh financial statement and american financial statements it's not apples to apples you can't compare the two uh and so another thing to also mention is that you talked about kind of like regulators and auditing uh After we talked about Enron in earlier episodes and after the Enron scandal, uh, Sarbox or the Sarbanes and Oxley Act was passed uh, and introduced to kind of help investors gain more confidence in financial statements because the Enron financial statements were garbage. Uh, And what we're trying to say is that not all U.S. companies commit fraud or do not commit fraud, but it really does help in uh, kind of giving confidence in what you're looking at. So, if I can explain it one way, it would be kind of like, you have a sleazy car salesman that's trying to sell you a car, and he says, everything in the car works great, the radiator is amazing, transmission is amazing, the engine has uh, perfect spark plugs and everything but it's a sleazy car salesman that's telling you that so uh what do you want you, you want your own mechanic to actually go in and look at it and tell you what's what's up like is the car an actual like good working condition and so the starbucks act really went in and kind of uh made independent auditors uh more important in that sense so you don't Really want like a sleazy car salesman telling you like the car is great. You want to make sure the car is in working order, so you have uh, someone else looking at it. Um, uh, yeah, th- th- that's how I think about it. Um, so most recently in the news, uh, the I think the biggest one that has happened recently is Luckin Coffee. Uh, which uh, news of the fraud happened? I, I don't I, know. March. Or April, I think it's March. Um, but what had happened is, so Luckin Coffee, a little bit of background, uh, they call themselves like the Starbucks of China. But they, a report came out saying that they falsely increased their sales figures. So basically, they were just uh, pump it, pumping up their sales figures by uh, not valid ways and so once reports of that came out the stock price of Luckin just just fell off a cliff like it was down over 90 percent uh, from its high over yeah it, it was uh, a huge fall off a cliff and after that news uh congress they're working on i, I believe they're still working on passing a bill in order to make sh- uh, make it where they will delist some companies off of U.S. exchanges. But really, I believe it's more geared towards Chinese companies being delisted off of U.S. exchanges because news of that fraud. So the stock price went down to like a dollar something at one point. And I had bought puts, which are contracts betting against the uh, company because uh a uh they were fraudulent uh their sales figures were fraudulent uh so their financial statements are garbage and b they were about to be delisted off the u.s exchanges so i thought that was just a recipe for disaster which makes uh kind of betting against stock very attractive to me but the weird thing is uh, even after the threat of delisting uh was coming all of a sudden the stock price started shooting up uh <laughs> and investors started pouring money into Luckin Coffee and I don't understand why uh Eric and I we were joking about this uh, a few weeks back about only uh Robin Hooders are uh dumb enough to buy this shit because we're looking at the specific website that's showing the amount of accounts holding the stock. And it's just, in my opinion, it's absurd. Um, I don't know why you would buy a stock that is going to be potentially delisted, uh, very likely being delisted. uh, And delisting, correct me if I'm wrong, but that basically means that, uh, so I have Schwab right now. It means that if I buy a stock from Luckin Coffee right now on Schwab and to get delisted, I can't sell that stock afterwards. I have to find someone else and like trade by paper, essentially.
1: Yeah, I think there's an alternative thing called pink sheets uh, where the ticker, if you see a ticker with a Q, uh, like, like Tesla Q, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so but it, it's it's definitely you're you're definitely dealing in like scummy penny stocks that territory. That was kind of the, the lowest common denominator. So you might be able to sell your stocks on on the penny, on the pink sheets, but uh, um, but it's definitely you know the the definite the prices you're going to get are definitely a different uh,
0: zip code. I mean,
1: um, it's just you know, not a good you, recipe at all. Yeah, yeah. So so when you when you have a stock that's listed with a major exchange. You have you know liquidity you have the ability you have a lot of people willing to transact on that stock um, part of it is that the exchanges also have requirements for um for the stock to trade well um, and um if you get kicked off those exchanges like you lose access to you know this ready pool of people willing to buy and sell the stock and uh you're in this kind of this nether world of of the pink sheets so uh yeah, but but if you can't get liquidity there, then you're, you're SOL. I don't know how I don't know how you get trade out of your position. You might be stuck with uh, you know shares and uh, yeah in untradable, in an untradeable stock.
0: And they have like some kind of uh, the chairman or the CEO. Uh, I can't remember uh, what what his title is, but uh, they have some kind of re- weird like treaty where he's in he's living the Caymans right now and it's kind of it's kind of hard to get a hold of him or get like assets from him but i think it was uh a uh, i can't remember which bank it was but they were holding uh some some shares and they just yeah. got the uh okay to start liquidating them uh because they're, they're just trying to uh get something back i guess from this yeah. Yeah. So what happened was you see
1: this in a lot of kind of shady companies, but basically there is some controlling shareholder. Um, and what they do to raise cash instead of selling shares, um, which would trigger taxable, you know, trigger tax, capital gains taxes, as well as they give up voting control. Um, what they do is that they go to a bank and they borrow money, cash, using their shares in the company as collateral. And that's really risky because what happens if the stock goes down? um, you know, 50%, 60%, 70%, you know, what happens then is that the bank says, okay, they basically have the right to take the shares and sell, blow it all at, blow it, sell them um, all at once. And that has the that has the effect of magnifying whatever stock price decline. And that's what happened to this guy. He got a, um, you know, he got a margin call basically, and the bank took his shares and they blew it out in the open market. That's one of the reasons why the stock was down 90% seeing, instead of being just down like 70% or 60%. Um, it's just, just all this stuff happens at once. Um, and, uh, you know, just to be fair, it's, uh, it's not always frauds. It's not always it's not only Chinese companies. I mean, there is um, there's a fraud that got revealed last week called Wirecard, a German company. Same thing. The founder, CEO, um, a big promoter of the stock. Um, turns out he had borrowed against the shares, and when things went to pot, uh, the the banks basically seized the shares as collateral and blew it out. Um, Wirecard, Wirecard is an actual capital F fraud, and probably going to go to zero. Um, but even non-fraud companies, like maybe I think in March there was an American company I followed called Tellurian, Um and you know it's not fraudulent, but uh, the founder of the company, Sharif Suki, um, I think that's how I say his name. Um, you know, pledged his shares on a loan uh, to buy some real estate in Colorado, and when natural gas prices got oh, bushwhacked, um, the value of Tellurion stock, ticker T E L L, dropped below a dollar, and um, the bank seized his shares and blew them out and hammered the stock even further. So. <laughs> well, that, that kind of debt spiral you see—that's uh, why you know you look at stuff like Tesla um, and you look at like basically all the directors have borrowed, you know, borrowed money against their shares of stock. And while well, it's great because the stock keeps going up, but you know if the stock ever gets below two hundred dollars—and look out below—you um, know the banks will seize those shares and blow them out. And before you know it, the stock will be under a hundred. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely something you have to be really concerned about. Um, something could make a bad situation much, 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 much worse. Uh, yeah,
0: it, it's it's just it's just scary to think about. Uh, I, I think uh, Airbus. Oh, you, I mean, obviously Chinese companies aren't the only only ones that uh, commit fraudulent activity, but I, I think Airbus had uh, something to do with. Uh, I can't remember it was um, bribery or something like that uh, and they kind of they kind of got hit a little bit from that but uh yeah but we're since we're talking about uh Chinese companies and there's just uh we we have more examples too that kind of pop well, out can I, can I talk
1: a little bit about luckin yeah yeah go ahead I know <laughs> you covered a lot of ground but I think it's important just to back up a little bit so Oh, Yeah, you know, sure. Luckin was a hot stock that that America, a lot of American hedge funds were all over because, you know, it was the Starbucks of China. And but you take a step back, and you're like, you know, coffee's not new. It's not like how is it that there's suddenly a startup that's has astronomical growth in China um, in coffee? Um, and the story allegedly was, you know, coffee's kind of expensive in China, so they don't really drink a lot of it. And that adoption is going to change. Okay, I get it, Um, but there's Starbucks in China already. And so the story with with Luckin was like, well, they sell coffee cheaper than Starbucks. you are like, okay, Um, how do they make money? Well, we're in a day and age where you don't need to make money to have a hot stock. It's better to show growth. Well, how are they showing growth? Well, they had a program where they were giving out vouchers or coupons um, to get, you know, people would get discounted uh, prices on coffee and so the transaction volume they were showing was supercharged by, you know, so people are looking at growth and they're looking at the number of, I don't know, coffee cup served, I guess. I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, but it was supercharged by this kind of subsidy to the customers of for coffee. And um, they started to, quote, unquote, sell these vouchers to Chinese corporates. Um, hey, you know, give these coupons to your employees. And it turned out that, like, half of their sales to, you know, half of their reported sales were part of this couponing program. And except these sales weren't really real. They were, there, was an, there was an employee. There was, it, it was all run through this one employee who apparently doesn't exist, um, who apparently, like, did all these fictitious sales. And it just it just, you know coffee you know you and i could open a coffee shop it's a pretty simple business um but it is kind of you know baffling how how much people fell in love with the stock um i mean starbucks is a great stock to be the starbucks of something um um they make money they grow comp store sales they have a great you know technology platform that works on every level um I mean, I hate I hate Starbucks coffee, but um, I, you know, but it's a great stock. Um, it, yeah, sure, being the Starbucks something's awesome, but um, yeah, it's actually a pretty simple business. And um, to anyway, anyway, long story short, uh, it was too good to be true. And um, but understanding the guts of how, like, how the fraud worked, I think is I think is important. Um, and um, illustrative. Um, but but yeah, you know, it, af- even after it was revealed and the stock cratered, after it cratered the stock ripped, and it's just
0: inexplicable. Um, why? Yeah, it, it uh, was it, like 400 percent or something like that. It was insane.
1: And these goddamn Robin Hooders. I mean, one day they're gonna lose money. <laughs> and they're gonna, regret it? <laughs> you know, it hasn't happened yet. So um, yeah, shame on me, I guess. You know,
0: maybe, maybe okay. we should just. Create an index about uh, whatever Robin Hooders are doing. We should just ride that train <laughs> to make more money. I'll <laughs> uh, just um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, we should go and read it and see what the hot stocks are, and then uh, make an ETF.
0: <laughs> what, what is a YOLO trade of the day? <laughs> uh wall street bets is another not another good one but uh well i mean it's, it's not a good okay so uh wall street we bets do not encourage making investment decisions
1: based on what you read on reddit and wall street bets that is for sure
0: yeah wall street bets uh i say this all the time wall street bets could destroy a person like if you read that subreddit lots of people they lose thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars within like a couple weeks and it is insane some make very huge gains like a million or something like that but uh i I think my experience with like reading wall street bets is most people they lose tons of money and they play with options which we have not covered uh in detail before we we kind of like talked about them with like calls and puts but we haven't really talked about options but options there they're kind of a I think they're a lot more complicated because there's another layer on top of looking at a stock you also have to understand how options work and i my assumption is that they don't understand how how to look at stocks but they kind of know how options work
1: they understand that these are options are leveraged bets and they they're looking for like the the biggest payoff leverage bets and uh that's in a nutshell wall street bets
0: anyway our our advice is uh don't don't take investment advice from wall street bets it it could destroy you please don't uh so should we go on to the next talk that sure so what else have you what else is on your radar there, there's this, uh, so I study a lot uh, because I'm an actuary and I had to study like tons of time or yeah, I had to put in tons of time into my studying. Uh, but I don't use this product, but I've heard about it. Uh, and it's called, uh, T- the ticker is TAL or Tomorrow Advancing Life, uh, Chinese tutoring company basically and uh, for online tutoring. And uh, it was recently reported that, uh, it was after the Luckin' Coffee scandal, uh, it was recently reported that uh, they were also inflating revenue numbers. Uh, more specifically, the report said that they were uh, misreporting their uh, quote-unquote like classes uh, product. I don't know what like classes are, uh, no idea but uh, that was the product that they were supposedly misreporting and uh, that report came out of an internal audit. Uh, how vigorous that internal audit is, I don't know, or uh, I, I would like to see someone else outside of the company kind of uh, talk, like look at it uh, and kind of drill down the numbers. But uh, yeah, uh, apparently light classes is about like 3 to 4%. Of their entire like revenue stream, so it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. But that's I I would like to know more about their other other products, or just have someone else look at everything. Uh, What do you think? I think it's. uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, um, actually, someone did a very similar exercise for another uh, stock called GSX. Uh, I think it's like something GSX Tech EDU, Mm -hmm. uh, which instead of being an online learning class, it's actually an in-person learning class. And I forget where it was. If you Google it or look on Twitter, you can find it. But um, someone is alleging that not only are they faking, you know, GSX is faking the number of students they have. They're faking the number of instructors. They're faking the number of classes that they physically hold. Um, and so, um, and the, the collected evidence, I, I downloaded the report. I got to say, I didn't read it. I don't have an opinion on whether, you know, how, uh, <laughs> you know, on its merits. Uh, but I do think the stock is up despite all that, <laughs> despite Luckin coffee blowing up and Wirecard in Germany blowing up and people, you know, saying, Hey, something's kind of fishy at TAL and GSX. Hey, you know what GSX? is
0: up so i really i really don't know what to say unfortunately it's just kind of hard to make sense of these things when you just don't know what's like how much shit is in there uh right yeah i mean um
1: these metrics ought to be pretty pretty easy to verify you know but uh no one seems to really care Um, that's like one of the really frustrating things about it. And, um, it's not until the company kind of self admits that there's a problem, then, um, I don't know. I don't know what triggers a catalyst, what what triggers uh, people caring about it. Um, but if the stock goes up, that's all people care about right now. Hey, it's going up. I better buy, I better buy some.
0: So we talked about uh, those like online tutoring uh, companies, or sorry, we, we talked about TAL and GSX. But uh, there's a, I know there's another company that you wanted to talk about as well, and uh, it's what uh, Tesla's Tesla's competitor in China? <laughs> the Tesla China, yeah, Nio,
1: yeah. Neo, Nio. Um, <laughs> I'm actually not sure how to say it, but I, I am a little butthurt about it. Um, so basically in the beginning of the year, um, actually, you know, so they make an, they basically make an electric car and, um, it, it is actually making cars is a difficult business. Um, and I would argue Tesla is not doing as good a job as other companies, but Hey, they have a cool product. So people buy it and stocks doing well. Well, NIO was trying to be, you know, the Tesla of China. Um, and, um, They got they have two products out, I think a car and SUV, but they've been perennially cash strapped. Like they're coming up their production ramp. And since the end of 2019, beginning of um, uh, 2020, they they were running out of payroll. They run out of cash to pay payroll. And that is the death knell. Right. So if you can't pay your workers, you are going bankrupt in the United States. Uh, But this is China. So. um, they kept putting up press releases like, hey, you know, we have this investor that's going to do a convert. And then that would never, that one, you know, the money would never show up. And, hey, we got this deal from this like local government, local government uh, support and they're going to invest in us. And that wouldn't go through. And they're like, hey, you know, we got a <laughs> we got a different government. You know, we're going to move our factory to this new province. And this, you know, this local government is going to which is you know, a real thing. Um, but it's gonna invest and put money into a company it's just like you know I, come on guys i know i wasn't bored yesterday I mean, the money's not happening so <laughs> the stocks had to go down right so i shorted it at four bucks um and then um i got i think maybe the second like of these like press releases of like hey we got equity investor coming in that's gonna put money to the company and the stock like popped like four or something i was like forget it you know what um, I, I just can't deal with this. I'm going to get out. It's ridiculous. And sure enough, I don't know why or what the latest news is, but the stock is like, I thought, you know, I shorted for, I, was, I swore it was going to go to like $1 or 0 hopefully. And right now it's at seven fifty. And I, I can't, I have no idea why. <laughs> you know, Tesla, I can't explain. Nikola, which is another kind of vaporware company. Like you know, did a did a SPAC listing and that stock ripped, and why NIO is up. I mean, I just none of these are none of these make any sense to me, and all I can do is rant and shake my cane, you know,
0: you know shake my <laughs> fist at them uh, like a crazy old man. So I I know uh, quite a few uh, Chinese people, and uh, okay, so I'll uh, first uh, say beforehand that. Uh, I am not Chinese, and I do not understand the intricacies of the culture, so uh, I can't speak for all Chinese. Uh, but what I have heard is that uh, as long as you have a good idea, uh, you will be fine in China. Like, basically, uh, the go- the government will back you up, no matter what. And I don't know if that's true, but that just seems like a very scary thing to think about um and it, it kind of feels like the same thing that is going on in the u.s too right now kind of with like how the fed is uh just buying off etfs left and right i'm, I'm not sure how how much validity there is to that but uh do you have any yeah, thoughts
1: on that? I, I I I don't I don't actually have I haven't spent much time, so I'm not sure specifically, but I mean I do think that the Chinese government is supportive of you know its its local champions. Um and um you know they uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what the local government is doing to um Promote or support these companies, but they sure, you know, for for the companies that we listed, you know, you don't see, you know, someone dropping a hammer on them, like demanding that they open their books or, you know, making sure that everything is above board. So, um, you know, I think in in the U.S. we do allegedly have some of these killjoys at the SEC who will, you know, for, you know, companies that look shady, they will, you know, they'll try to demand you know increased disclosure they'll you know kind of scrutinize accounting um and try to stop the situation from getting out of control but uh, i don't really see that kind of intervention happening for um some of the the companies that we talked about china and just be clear neither none of us are claiming that chinese companies are frauds in general or that there's anything you know um you know anything you know you were both asian right so we're not saying that like you know we're not we're not being anti-asian here but there are a lot of chinese companies there are a lot of them listed in the u.s there are uh, a decent fraction of them who are cutting corners and there is some fraction of that who uh are probably committing fraud and some fraction of that get revealed, and that's kind of the names that we're talking about. But there are other there are a lot of tremendously valuable, successful companies in China which are completely making making money and killing it in totally legitimate ways. So, uh, and we are we we, we try and We are by no means impugning
0: their, uh,
1: you know, all the all the all the people succeeding honestly in China.
0: Yeah, um, you you put up a good point. Like uh, Alibaba is uh, one of the kind of most famous uh, companies out of China. And uh, I believe everything they've done is great and amazing. And, you know, I I don't really see a problem with them. But, you know, when Luckin Coffee had their scandal and uh, Congress was trying to delist uh, most Chinese companies from the U.S. exchanges, uh, Alibaba was hit from that uh, just because of if they weren't listed on the U.S. exchanges, that like you said, it would kind of like hurt their liquidity. Uh, and yeah, we're we're not we're not anti-Chinese at all. Uh, it's, it's just it's a different environment. You can't look at them. You can't look at a Chinese company like you look at a U.S. company. It's just two different environments, and uh, so. Uh, I'm Japanese, but I do not invest in any Japanese companies. Sure, I can invest in like Toyota or whatever, but uh, I they just don't attract me uh, as much. I don't know their accounting rules as well. Also, uh, I, I know they follow IFRS, uh, the International Financial Reporting Standards, but um, I I studied accounting a while ago and. I, I don't really remember much about Eifers, so it's something I am not uh, willing to put money in. But yeah, it's it's not it's not it's really not being uh, anti some ethnicity. It's it's more about finding the right place to put your harder money in, uh, and y- you want to make sure that it's not in a place where you can get damage from. Yeah.
1: Um, And and maybe the other way of looking at it is, um, you know, in America, there are a lot of investor protections in place. And by protections, meaning, you know, the regulators are trying to make sure that companies report their numbers fairly and accurately so that there isn't some kind of blow up and investors lose a lot of money. And, um, you know, we've got, you know, all these companies you know, have to you know, file earnings you know, four times a year. Um, they have pretty, you know, there's a standard set of disclosures that they, they're required to go through. You have to disclose um, material risks to the company. They got to disclose material adverse events. Um, these are rules which are specific to the US. Uh, they kind of force companies to be more transparent um and those rules don't really apply and you know they, they may not apply in other jurisdictions like i mean you know like in japan you know um they, uh, you may get or europe you may get earnings maybe only twice a year so you're only getting you know updated financial figures uh twice a year that's a long time to go in between um the world changes pretty quickly um and uh so i think you know it's, it's kind of you know maybe maybe one way of looking at it is not that other you know, other other markets are, are bad, but, you know, we really have it pretty decent in the U.S. I mean, people complain of the you know, management teams, the companies complain about, oh, you know, I've got to have got to do quarterly earnings and investors are so short term focused. And that, you know, yeah, I mean, there are pros and cons. But, um, you know, the pro for sure is that U.S. investors have a better sense of what's going on sooner, um, you know, and, and you know, Kentra, you mentioned Sarbanes-Oxley way in the beginning, um, I think yeah. I don't remember. I don't know the, what the rule of the law says, but I'm pretty sure that if management teams lie in their financial, you know, uh, financial statements then Starbucks will basically impose criminal penalties on them and they could go to jail. So, um, you know, uh, that's a strong incentive for management teams to to keep things honest. Um, and, uh, you know, just going back to the, the frauds, were, these international frauds that we we're talking about earlier, I mean, you know, I guess technically we could try to try, you know, impose criminal penalties on these guys in Germany and China, but it's probably I'm going <laughs> to bet against that happening. It's, it's probably not going to happen. Um, you know, I think Sino Forest, the fraud I mentioned a long time ago, I think people are trying to sue the CEO and major shareholder. But, you know, he disappeared. No one knows where he is and no one knows for all the money he took out of the company went. So, um, you know, good luck trying to chase him down and, and get him justice. But uh, if he if he was an American, an American company on American soil, for sure he would have been he he would have been uh, you know brought to justice.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, I believe Kemley. The only reason why he uh, wasn't brought to justice <laughs> because he's in some some unknown island in the Bahamas that everyone thought oh, like, no, no, he's no. dead or something like that.
1: Well, he he did die. I mean, there is a conspiracy theory that he did not actually die, but. Uh, <laughs> He cannot be – he would have been um, criminally prosecuted just like yes. – um, oh, man, who is the um, the CFO? Um, oh. Uh, oh,
0: man. Uh, I but, can't believe uh, that. The, the only person that did not get uh, hit was your man, Lou Pai. Lou Pai.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about Lou Pai? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let, let's okay, so, go okay. at it. So, so if you read if you read books about Enron, there's there's one great one called The Smartest Guys in the Room. And they talk about um, the kind of cowboy culture of Enron. Um, and one of the worst of the worst of the executives was um, a guy named Lou Pai, um, who was, um, I guess, a Chinese-American second generation. Dad was an uh, electrical engineering professor. and um, But anyway, he worked at Enron. Um, but he was always about number one. Like how to maximize his... Uh, how to maximize his pay. Well, so he got a lot of options. I forget what he did, but he had a lot of options, stock options in Enron. Um, But it turned out that um, he got a divorce. And uh, well, how did he get a divorce? Well, Lou Pai was fond of gentlemen's clubs, and um, he got one of the employees of one of these clubs pregnant. And his wife, uh, I guess, didn't like that. So, um, she filed for divorce, and as part of the divorce proceedings, um, she um, she basically uh, oh man I, I think I'm forgetting half the story I, I swear I'm, but anyway but she basically <laughs> she it required it required, required Lu Pi to liquidate his Enron holdings so he exercised options and got stock and sold it all and all of this happened months before Enron itself blew up and so um, I don't think he got away scot free but um i think he had the yeah i think there was some settlement later on but i mean he definitely um he was well he definitely, off
0: after that even yeah even he after blew out of
1: all of his enron position before everything went to pot um he didn't so he he got money he didn't have to give it back uh he didn't go to jail um and uh he rode off into the sunset retiring onto a horse ranch with his uh stripper wife and uh who became an equestrian and they're both uh they're both into riding horses i think they have a daughter who is a champion or you know, she's also into riding horses and so um yeah happily ever after
0: for uh Lou Pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my, my mom and i we always jock, uh, joke about ken lay and how he's probably drinking bahama mamas even now or something like that <laughs> <laughs> name in like
1: uh, curacao or venezuela yeah, right. of American law,
0: you know. Well, everyone thinks he's dead. Exactly, and you know, there, there's tons of pictures of Ken Lay with George Bush. Now, uh, okay, so <laughs> I, everything I've said, it's all out of jest. I, I am not insinuating that there is a conspiracy here. I, I'm just, I'm just joking around. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm on my fourth or fifth shot of, of scotch right now. so if that, if that helps. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm about the same, too, here. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, e- e- Enron was definitely a tragic tale, but because of Enron, we do have a lot more protections in the U.S., uh, and those are protections that us U.S. investors, we probably have gotten very used to that maybe other countries just don't have, and like we said before uh just you just got to be very careful about the environment that you're looking at because you can't compare apples to oranges it's it's just not the same thing apple juice does not taste the same as orange juice at all and uh
1: yeah no it's it's um and it's there's this huge temptation to chase these growth stocks and companies and where it's actually really hard to do work. Like for American companies, like, look, I mean, you can go on Google Maps and search and you can see for yourself, like, oh, yeah, this company exists here and they've got a warehouse or they've got a facility and, you know, you can, you know, um, you know, they've got a mine or something. I mean, all these things you can kind of see. And then that's a lot harder sometimes for other some, you know, other stocks on the frontier and the periphery. And, um, you know, you just have to, You know, I think um, you have to know maybe we are channeling Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, but you have to know what you're buying. And part of knowing you're buying is like knowing the business and making sure that, yeah, you know, this factory is doing what it's supposed to do, what they claim they do. Um, And that's really hard sometimes. And um, if you can't verify some of these basic facts, then, um, you know, just be aware that you're, um, you know, you're you're you're. you know, you're at risk. Um, so just be very careful investing in companies that uh, you don't have like the same, you know, many layers of protection.
0: Definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, I wholeheartedly concur.
1: Uh, so if you guys are interested in looking at um, kind of detective work, uh, there are a couple of folks to follow either Google or you can follow on Twitter. Um The granddaddy of them is Muddy Waters Research. Uh, They do really interesting work. Um, There's another one called Citron. I'd say the guy's interesting. The level of work is not as good. Um, There's another one, Viceroy Research, who I think does good work. Um, Oh, man, there's another one recently I was looking at who is um, critical of the gold miner stock. Gold gold miner stocks, by the way, are another kind of treacherous area of, of kind of uh, you know shady management and shady stocks and speculative plays that I mean literally it's a gold mine right I mean um, speculative plays which um, you know they're always a lot harder to, to make a, you know um, but it's harder they never, you know the, the hype always kind of outruns the a uh, uh, reality um, but uh, you know another area to be to be careful of um, so these are all fun reads. The detective work that these guys do um, is very often phenomenal. Um, at the very least, it's entertaining. But, uh, you know, it is it is kind of frustrating because usually when these guys publish a report, the stock goes down a little bit and then just goes, you know, just resumes its ascent, you know, as if nothing happened. And um, occasionally there is a comeuppance uh, as a, as it a was for Luck and Coffee.
0: That's uh, something definitely I will also look into too because I'm interested in looking into those things. So today we uh, we're actually good on time. Um, we don't always promise to end before an hour, but hopefully you like our content. Uh, well, we'll we'll try hard to also bring good content again in the future. So without further ado, I am your co-host Kantara. And I'm your other co-host, Eric. And have a good night, folks. Be well.